Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time for another edition of the Curtain Call Podcast. My name is Michael Beck, Deputy Editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, bringing it to you as always with one Mr. Jeffrey Benedict. Jeffrey, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing really good. Michael, excited to be talking about the draft again. <laughs> as always, we've been doing that a lot, but... Uh, <laughs> Like we've been saying, we always have a special guest on and uh, the penultimate show before the draft. We have a special guest from uh, the Columbus Dispatch, Joey Kaufman. Joey, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Uh, hanging in there, enjoying a, I guess there's a snowy day in Pittsburgh. Uh, how was that for you, Jeffrey, before we, we get into that? Yeah, actually, my uh, younger brother-in-law flew in from Texas uh, wearing flip-flops and shorts and uh, got off and was getting snowed on. We were like, dude, you're from Pittsburgh. You should know. You should know what you're getting into. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, that's wonderful. But to get back on, on track of the show, Ohio State prospects, uh, I guess the really the big news of the day coming out, uh, Justin Fields uh, was uh, his kind of, his diagnosis of epilepsy kind of uh, came to the forefront today. Uh, Joey, I, I'm, I'm kind of curious if that's something that uh, has been known around uh, Ohio State or if that's uh, news for everyone. That, I think, for most people who have covered Ohio State the last couple of years, that, that revelation came out of left field a little bit. We hadn't really heard much rumblings about it. Justin Fields had uh, never come off the field really at Ohio State throughout his career and didn't miss games, didn't pop up as really an issue. But, I mean, I guess it's a, it's a, it seems more like an aspect of draft season where, where maybe somebody's hoping that Justin Fields – falls and, and a team team leaks that out but it hadn't come up around Ohio State but I mean it's a totally different deal I mean if you're hanging around Ohio State they're not really eager to leak to Penn State that the Justin Fields is epilepsy three days before kickoff so it's a little bit of a I think a different uh different game in that respect Go ahead, Go ahead. okay, okay. Um, continuing on with the Justin Fields stuff uh throughout these last couple weeks um it seems like field stock has slipped a little bit. Do you think that has anything to do with anything in particular, really? He went from being the solid quarterback number two of the draft to kind of falling somewhere in the three to five range. Is there really any explanation? The whole the whole Justin Fields draft saga to me in this whole pre-draft cycle has been a little odd because I think if you were to to talk to me a year ago and even going into the, in the last season, it seemed like there was – a thought that that maybe Justin Fields could challenge Trevor Lawrence for that that number one spot because Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields grew up together outside of Atlanta. They were in the same recruiting class in, in 2018, and, and they'd always kind of been – Trevor Lawrence was caught on 1A, Justin Fields was always 1B, and this was another shot for them to, to compete for the same thing, and you thought thought maybe Justin could really push him for the, for the number one spot. And it didn't quite happen, I think, partly due to the, the effect that the Big Ten only played a handful of games. And in, in two of those games that Justin Fields played, they played six regular season games. He struggled against Indiana and Northwestern and, and didn't maybe have a full body of work to, to really evaluate. But then he still finished really strong. If you go back to the, that, that Sugar Bowl game where he throws six touchdowns, takes a huge shot to the ribs, and you think maybe maybe he has to come out of the game. He misses all but one play. So it seems like pre-COVID, there was momentum for him to challenge for the number one spot. And then this whole funky, truncated college football season happens, 
and okay, maybe there's some clear separation with him and Trevor Lawrence, but you think that that Justin Fields is a, is a pretty good consolation prize for the next team who takes a quarterback, and and that doesn't happen. So it's it's really gone in I think maybe a direction that a lot of people around Columbus, Ohio didn't really expect it to go because. 12 months ago, we thought he'd be maybe have a chance to go number one overall and, and or at least have it more of a, a sort of a pre-draft intrigue to some degree. And now it seems to be, will he for sure go in the top three, the top five, or the top ten? Yeah, there are, there are times, especially on film, where you see plays uh, from Justin Fields where I'm like, he, he could definitely end up being the best quarterback in this draft and and, you know, end up being one of those guys that you're like, wow, how could they take him third? How could he be the third quarterback taken? He's better than Trevor Lawrence in the end. Uh, but the question with him is, what's his floor? Like, are you guaranteed to get a starting quarterback in the NFL out of Justin Fields? Or is this a guy where, you know, you have that ceiling where, where he, he has times where you're like, this guy could be a Hall of Famer. Like, he has that kind of level of talent. But there's also times you're, you're questioning, like, what is – What's his consistent level of play? Where, where, you know, if if the NFL career doesn't go great for him, if it doesn't go, you know, towards the high end, where does he end up? Where, like, what kind of quarterback do you think you're you're guaranteed at least to get with a Justin Fields? It's a fair question. I do think the ceiling is, is really high because he's he's a quarterback who ran a four four and throws the ball, got a great arm, and I think he does what the NFL wants nowadays from quarterbacks, being able to create outside the pocket, hold on and, 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 and make some, some big plays. And, and I think he really brings that to the table, but the, the, the floor is a little bit of a concern or I don't want to say a concern, but, but coming out, I think probably if you were to say there's a knock on him, he doesn't have this extensive college starting experience. He started uh, 14 games at Ohio state in, in 2019. And then he started eight last year. So he has, is 22 games um, in, in really a year and a half of, of college football, which is obviously not as much as, as Trevor Lawrence, who started three full seasons at Clemson and had a longer uh, 2020 season. So I think that, to me, is, is, is maybe if there's a concern or you want to pick something out or, or maybe just look at his, his whole time at Ohio State and at Georgia, is he doesn't really maybe have the, 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 the starting experience and, and – I think if you put him in a rough situation from from day one, uh, it becomes harder on him. And I think he's a very different player than than Dwayne Haskins. I think I don't want to make that comparison at all. But Haskins only had a start year one year of starting experience when when he left Ohio State. They do a lot of different things. Fields is much more of a runner than Haskins is. Haskins threw a lot of passes behind the line of scrimmage. Fields pushed the ball downfield a lot more. But they don't. Neither of them coming out had this extensive two, three full seasons of of, of body of work. One of the things we've seen in uh, this kind of pro day phase, and one of the stories, especially for Steelers fans, who saw a lot during Ohio State's pro day, and I think the best way to put it is the bromance between Mike Tomlin and Justin Fields. It seemed like over those over that couple hour stretch, there's videos leaking about Mike Tomlin saying, "Oh." You're the guy we came to see, and then the long conversation after the workout was over. Do, have you seen teams kind of crush over a prospect like that, or is this something that you kind of see in, in a in a usual uh, pro day type phase? I haven't seen that a, a, a ton, but but to be honest, I probably don't follow uh, 
follow the draft cycle as closely for, from that perspective in terms of kind of which how much the teams are going to bat their eyelashes at a certain prospect. So I don't know. I don't. I, it's it's part of the part of the I guess the the game. Sometimes I don't know. It's a it's a fair question, but I, I can't say I've I've probably followed it closely from from that perspective. To address uh, something the live chat is bringing up here quite a bit, Ohio State doesn't have the greatest record of quarterbacks when those quarterbacks enter the NFL. And really, outside of Alex Smith, Urban Meyer doesn't either. Uh, with the guys he's recruited, the, the whole scheme, the whole system, and the school history kind of shies people away from Ohio State uh, quarterbacks. Is there something about Justin Fields that makes you think this is the guy that can really break that and kind of be the 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 quarterback from Ohio State that, that went to the NFL and was a star? I think he can because he's a different type of quarterback than Ohio State has typically recruited. I think if you look at the maybe the BCS era, so they've had Jim Trestle and they've they've had Urban Meyer. A lot of the quarterbacks that they recruited were not bona fide elite eleven type of quarterbacks where you would look at them as a high school junior and they've they've gone through every quarterback pageant and they're they're six four with strong arm that that screams NFL guy. And Jim Tressel's whole mantra at Ohio State was was to limit turnovers, have more of a game manager at quarterback. And then the the type of quarterback that Urban Meyer typically recruited was was more of a dual threat guy who could who could run the ball maybe 20 times a game and and in 2017 coming off a, of, of a playoff loss to, to Clemson in 2016 where they were blank 31 nothing in the, in the Fiesta Bowl in the college football playoff semifinal game Urban Meyer brings in Ryan Day really to expand their their passing game that, that had been an issue that had been nagging throughout Urban's uh, tenure at Ohio State and you bring in Ryan Day from the NFL and they start recruiting a different type of quarterback and 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 Day recruited Fields out of the transfer portal. He's started to recruit typically more pro-style passers, somebody with a big arm. Uh, they brought in C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller in their 2019 or 20, excuse me, 2020 recruiting class. They brought in Kyle McCord in the 2021 class. All these guys went through the Elite 11 uh, premier quarterback competition camp and coming out of high school. So I think they've started to change in t- terms of the the type of of recruiter of quarterback they've recruited kind of maybe the one exception of the last 15 years was, was Terrell Pryor from, from actually Western Pennsylvania, your guys neck of the woods. Um, and that didn't quite paint out in the NFL for a whole host of reasons. We could probably wouldn't have enough time to get into, but generally I think it's been the, the reason why Ohio state hasn't produced the NFL type of quarterbacks over the last 20 years is because the offense they've run in college hasn't really mirrored what you'd want NFL quarterback to do. I think Fields will be a little more of a litmus test for 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 the offense that Ryan Day does at Ohio State and how it, it translates in the NFL. Uh, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers have a really good opportunity here to select a number of Ohio State prospects in this upcoming draft. So I do want to transition specifically Trey Sermon because this team is uh, in a phase where they need a, a running back and potentially an every down kind of guy. Uh, so my question to you, Joey, is – do you see Trey Sermon as a back that can take uh, take every single snap on the field? Is he a, a three-down guy? He's a really versatile guy, and I think he probably does a couple things that, that would help you out if you're looking for somebody to, I guess, get a lot of carries or just be on the field a lot. I, I think, for one, he's he can block. I think he can 
he's not a guy who's going to have a breakaway speed as a running back, but he's a guy who has a, who has a good wiggle and good able to, I think, agility and cut well. I think he can catch the ball out of the, the backfield really well, which makes him an option on third down. I don't think people saw that a ton this last year at Ohio State because it's just a, a smaller schedule. And, and he transferred in during the offseason, and it was shortened by COVID. And, and all and all that, but I think ideally Ohio State would have would have worked him into their passing game a little more. But he he played some receiver back in high school, so I think he just gives you a lot of different options out of, out of a running back. He's not going to be a guy who's going to who's going to have the best forty time or, or have a have a great kind of end to end speed breakaway speed from guys. But he's a bigger back, so he can handle the workload. I mean, in the Big Ten championship game. For Ohio State, he carried him to that win and just kind of the workload he was able to handle in the second half when, when Justin Fields uh, injured his hand and couldn't really throw the ball all that well. So he can do a lot of different things and, and really is a, I think, a guy who can be on the field for a lot of different situations. Did Ohio State use him in any positions other than running back? Did they reflect him out in, like, the slot? Uh, did they ever use, like, a – H-back role, is, is there, was there any usage of that, or did he do all of his work even as a receiver out of the backfield as a, as a running back? He was pretty much straight out of the backfield. Ryan Day, kind of what I was hitting at, talked about it after the pro day. He said that if they had a more of a, a, a standard, typical offseason, they might have had a chance to be more creative with how, with how they lined him up. So they seem to think he might have the skill set to do some of those things. But I think if you were to, if you were to just plug in his tape from last year, you wouldn't really see – a ton of evidence, but they seem to think he could maybe project that way out. One of the issues with the Steelers tail grab, uh, tailback group right now, I'd say as a whole, is, is a lack of running back vision. Is Sermon someone that can uh, sur- survey the field and actually make the, the right choice and the, and the right cuts uh, when uh, the ball's in his hands? I think that's his best quality, honestly, as a, as a, as a runner, is, is, is just the way he, he moves in that second level of a defense. And if you watch that Big Ten title game he, he's maybe surrounded by guys and he's able to cut one direction I remember he was coming off a knee injury earlier in the year and he didn't really impress you with his, his speed but but I think where he makes his his, his money as a runner is, is the way he's able to to see a defender and move in, in, in a fluid way to, to get around guys rather than just having he's not going to outrun you necessarily but he's going to be able to maybe slide. is he uh is he more of an inside runner is he a, is he a is he doing? Does he does he do well taking uh, the ball outside, breaking outside runs, or is he more a guy that's it's an inside out, you know, head up the middle, like you said, get through, weave through traffic, and, and break runs that way? He seemed to bounce more outside, and then then at the second level, weave through traffic more. But that, instinctively, that's what Ohio State, or that's what, instinctively what he did, and, and kind of how Ohio State had a lot of design stuff for him to to bounce outside. Uh, Jeffrey, do you have any more questions on Sermon, or can we move on to the next guy? Shaking your head. Um, so the Steelers, another big spot of need for them is the center spot. Uh, of course, Josh Myers is coming out uh, of the Ohio State program this year. Uh, is he a guy that can start right away, or is he someone that needs a, a couple weeks to marinate before he can uh, take over a starting role at the next level? He probably has the size to, to start, start right away. I mean, he's he's a six he's six five. He's he's really big, and I think that's. You're not going to see him needing to, I don't think, really change his, his body at all. And he's got good athleticism, uh, so I, I think he'll have a. Ch- it's I think he'll have a chance to start right away. Sure, I don't see why he would need to. He's a four-year guy. 
that, that helps. He, he started for, for two years at Ohio State. He's, a, I think, a pretty smart guy, too. When he came to Ohio State, he came from a high school which you know in southwest uh, Ohio, which runs which is, runs a wing T offense, and so so the blocking scheme that that he did in high school was was totally different than when he came to Ohio State and was running sort of your typical pro spread. Uh, so he, I think that will will help him well. He, well, it shows that he's able to kind of adapt from coming to high school to college pretty quickly. So I think he he's physically he's there. He's what you want. And I think he's he's smart enough to be able to to handle. Uh, that that transition and picking up a new scheme. Okay, so the Steelers have a long history of drafting big time athletes uh, at center, and they they like to pull their centers out and get them out in space. Uh, Josh Myers has the athletic profile to do that, but was he asked to do that at Ohio State? Does it, did Ohio State run him a lot in outside zone kind of plays? Did they have him pull at all? Uh, is that something he's familiar with at Ohio State? They had him pull a little bit. Of, they, they pulled their guard, Wyatt Davis, a lot more and than they did Josh Myers. But he did some of that. He did it – I mean, he did it a lot in high school just with, with the wing tee and the way they moved him outside a lot. So he does have some, some experience doing that in college, not as much as he had in high school. Uh, one of the things that I uh... – try to find it uh, with traits when it comes to centers is someone that can really kind of lead that group. Someone, of course, that spots uh, calling out a lot of the uh, blocking schemes. Is Myers someone that uh, was viewed as a leader along that offensive line? As a leader in terms of like locker room guy or in terms of, of locker room guy. And, and I would say, yeah. And that uh, in that group in general and within the locker room. I, I, typically they would kind of gather in a huddle before the game and Josh Myers would be the he either he or Wyatt Davis would be typically one of the guys addressing the entire team during during pregame warm up. So he was always a I think a vocal guy from from that perspective, and so I think you would I think that would be a a plus for 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 whoever gets him. Speaking of Wyatt Davis, uh, the Steelers don't really have a need for a guard right now. Uh, but Wyatt Davis reminds me a lot of the guy Steelers directed last year with Kevin Dotson. He's a real people mover. Wyatt, he is, he is, you know, that kind of run blocking guard you really want to have. Uh, but he, is he, does he have any position flexibility or is he a guy who's going to probably fall in the draft simply because he, you have to play him a guard. He's just a guard. I think that does hurt him a little bit is I think, he doesn't have this track record of where he played a bunch of tackle in, in high school. He ended up playing a lot of guard in high school because he came from, from St. John Bosco in California, which produces a ton of NFL guys. So they already had, they already had like a division one bound tackle when he was there. And at, at Ohio state, he was, he was strictly a guard. He didn't really rotate it at center or, or tackle at all. I don't know if he could or couldn't play that position. He's really athletic and uh, Uh-oh. And, uh, or he's not, he's not as tall if you want to move him out to tackle. I mean, he's, he's smaller than, than Josh Myers at 6'4". So I, I think he Getting a little bit of freezing here. I'm not sure if Joey's finished his answer there. Uh, but before he gets back, Jeffrey, I'll, I'll pose to you. Do you think uh, – 
Josh Myers is the the kind of guy that could step in as the Steelers center. And, oh, there we go. You're back. Sorry, you froze a little bit on us. Uh, I'll Where throw are you, Lisa? I'm sorry, I froze. Oh, it's all good. Um, you were just uh, midway through that uh, question on Wyatt Davis. Um, uh, kind of lost you when he played a, a bunch of guard in high school. Yeah, I mean, he's just, and I think the other thing too, I was just going to add was the fact that he's he's six four. He's not really, I don't think, has the the size that you would want to uh, to push out to tackle where you're six five, six six. So I think that he's a little pigeonholed at that guard spot. Gotcha. Um, now, when it comes to comparing uh, both the guys we we're just talking about, being Josh Myers and Wyatt Davis, who would you say is the, the better of the of that duo? It's I don't know if I could pick one between those two. They always felt really linked. They started the same time together at Ohio State. They both came on in 2019. They were both in the same recruiting class, so they they waited uh, two years to start. So they feel very interchangeable to me. I think it more depends if you if center is a position for need. I think maybe you go out and get Josh Myers. I think if guard your position need, maybe you go out and get Wyatt Davis. I would probably give Josh Myers a slight edge just because he's played center, and I think he could probably slide into to guard a little se- more seamlessly. And j- so I think he gives you a little more positional flexibility than, than Wyatt Davis has. But in terms of, of what they do well and being able to pull and, and run block, I think they're they're both pretty similar players overall. How, uh, how polished – would you say uh, Myers and Davis are as pass blockers? That was always a little bit of a, uh, I guess a, uh, I won't say concern, but I guess a much discussed issue at Ohio State because if you look at Ohio State's sack rate the the last two years, uh, when Justin Fields was a starter, it was it was fairly low in, in Football Outsiders metrics, and there was once there was one side of that coin which would say that. Ohio State's offensive line is not a great pass blocking offensive line, or at least as 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 good as they should be. The other side of the coin of that was Justin Fields tended to hold the ball on, hold the ball for a longer period of time, which sometimes was good because he was he would hold the ball on longer and, and find a receiver downfield and throw the ball very far and make a big play. But sometimes it would lead to a sack, which would then drop you down in that metric. But so that's kind of the the, the little bit of the the tug of war. There, so I think that they'll they make their bones more of a, as run blockers than, than pass blockers. But I mean, it's not like you saw a ton of pressure going up the middle where people were sacking Justin Fields very often either. Uh, transitioning over to the defensive side of the football, I want to ask you about Sean Wade, the corner. Is he someone that uh, is strictly an outside guy, or could he uh, play more of a physical t- kind of uh, slot type role? His his best year it was it was 2019 when he played slot and there was thought that if he had come out come out after that season which he was they had Damon Arnett and Jeff Okuda as the outside corners and, and those guys were, were two first round picks and, and Sean Wade was the slot corner and they thought maybe he could even go into the back end of the first round if if he had come out but he wanted to to come back and, and play for a national title and he also wanted to to play outside corner, which he hadn't done in Ohio State. And on paper, he had a, he had a good last year. He was uh, named an All-American and was the Big Ten defensive back of the year. But but I think a lot of people could turn on the tape and you watch some some games early in the year against Penn State and Rutgers where he was giving up touchdowns and he was picked, picked on a little bit in the, in the college football playoff. So his year at outside corner did not go as well as, as he hoped. And 
there were maybe some reasons for that that contributed to that. His, his agent said he had a turf toe injury last fall, which is why his pro day got delayed. So he didn't have the really the type of year you wanted to see from him as an outside corner. It seems like the prevailing thought is he's going to have to move back back inside and, and play that spot. So that'll be, I think, where he ends up being more likely is, is, is inside than outside just because of, of the of how 2020 transpired. And maybe, hey, maybe he could play outside. And he's 6'1". He has the size to do it, which is why he wanted to move back there and why Ohio State wanted him to play outside corner last year. And he put up some, some good testing numbers at his pro day last week. But – I wonder if a team will, will give him a shot there or they'll stick him inside a nickel um, or maybe even movement to safety because he played a little bit there earlier in his Ohio State career as well. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what traits does he bring? Uh, because I've seen him. People have seen – I've seen him projected as a player who can play safety. Uh, what kind of traits does he bring to the safety position? He was always a good tackler and, and always an athletic guy. I, oh, we lost him again. Am I there still? Are you guys? Yeah, there you are. There you are. Sorry, we lost you right as you started that answer. Oh, I can't. I, I guess just. I guess I'll just go. I mean, I think. I think the the, the thing that Sean Wade brings, I guess, will. A lot of it is is tackling. I think he's always a good tackler in space. I think where he tended to struggle the most last year was was some one on one situations, and where he didn't get a lot of help, and he was over eager to make an interception, and and really got caught out of place. So I think. There's some some coverage spots he got exposed, but I think he's a good athlete. I think if you were to 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 have him, he's rangy, but I think sort of the the, the ball skills that you would expect from a from an outside corner. I don't think it's where he is best at. Uh, we are getting close to the thirty minute mark, so I'm going to bounce between a couple uh, prospects here. Um, could you kind of compare uh, Baron Browning and Pete Warner and? Who who projects to be the better inside linebacker at the next level? I think Pete Warner certainly played it more. I and mean, you look at his track record at Ohio State. I mean, he was such a mainstay at, for, at in the middle of that defense. And just you watch, you turn on the tape every time you you watch. Pete Warner was was around the football, and he was always around, kind of cleaning up stuff around the line of scrimmage. So he has he has more experience, I think, playing on the inside than, than Browning does. Browning's best trade always. And at Ohio State, it seemed like, and then you wonder sometimes why they didn't move him more. Is he really was promising as, a, as an edge rusher and somebody you could maybe even if you're going to be in a three-four defense and you want sort of that that stand-up edge rusher? I think he's, he really has a great burst off the line of scrimmage. He's he's really long. He, he can get in passing lanes, bat down balls, get after a quarterback. So that that to me has always been where maybe he, he should have played more in college. And I think I could see him fitting well. And that sort of scheme in the NFL. Pete Werner is actually a guy I really like uh, for the Steelers. Um, how did he do taking on blockers and also uh, blitzing? Uh, because the Steelers are, if you're pairing a guy with with a Devin Bush, you want someone who can be a little more physical and, and be a little more aggressive uh, with blitzing. How did he do in those roles? 
they didn't have him blitz a ton at Ohio State, but I mean he was he was always kind of I think able to to go up against bigger guys. He was always impressive to me in that he was able to I think have enough speed to get outside, and you'd see plays bounce outside, and he would he would flow there. And if if there was stuff near the line of scrimmage and in the trenches, and you had to be ugly and, and go up against a bigger blogger, he was able to do that. So he he just he always seemed like a classic linebacker to me where you could count on him to do a bunch of different stuff. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to say this right, but Tommy Togai, uh, is he uh, like a, a nose tackle type that uh, projects well to be an interior run stuffer in uh, in the second, uh, in this next level? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, Tommy Togia. He uh, started only one year at Ohio State, known as for, I guess, for having really Big, big strong man is, is kind of the, the always the word at Ohio State. He was always considered the strongest guy on the team uh, going into his pro day at Ohio State. He was trying to break the combine record for for bench presses with at fifty. He got over forty, didn't quite get to, to fifty, but uh, it, he's a Slacker. he's uh, more than I could do. I could say that much, uh, <laughs> uh, but. He only had one year of a starting experience, and you, and you thought maybe he would come back for another year at Ohio State. And he was a junior last year, and you thought because that was a shorter season, he'll come back for a senior year and really add to his, his seasoning, uh, really improve his stock. And he came he came out early, and that surprised a lot of people. But he had a pretty good year. I think just doesn't have a, a long track record, but he's I think because of his strength, he's got a lot of upside. Um, okay, I, I got I got one more quick one for you before we let you go. Uh, Luke Farrell, the tight end, is is he someone? Uh, his kind of rankings a, a little all over the board in like those day three picks. Is uh, is Farrell kind of a what, what kind of tight end does he uh, does he play? Really good blocking tight end. Uh, Ohio State's offensive coordinator Kevin Wilson called him the the best blocking tight end in the class. And Ohio State didn't throw to him a ton, but in the last two years under under Ryan Day, they ran a lot of twelve personnel, put two tight ends on the field with him and Jeremy Rucker. And, and Ohio State has a lot of wide receivers. They could have certainly played more receivers and just used one tight end and kept Luke Farrell on the sidelines. But they thought highly of enough, highly of him enough to to keep him on the field as much as they did, which I think says something about kind of what he brought to, to that offense. So to me, he would be a, a really intriguing day three option just because of how much they, they liked his his blocking. And they didn't throw to him a ton, but when they did, he, he, he was able to catch the ball. And you're not going to, I don't think, draft him because of his, his pass catching ability per se, but he's just a versatile guy. I think I think just a really solid blocker or at least gives you the, somewhat of a threat in the passing game. Uh, I'm going to let Thad, uh, Thaddeus Kennedy get the last words in here. He asked, is uh, Mike Tomczak the best quarterback to ever play in the NFL coming out of Ohio State? He might be, which is not not the being the best quarterback in the NFL to come out of Ohio State is all that <laughs> impressive. But, I mean, he I think he might have the the most wins or or the best record of an Ohio State quarterback. You have to fact check me on that one, but I, I think it was something like that, where he had at least played the longest and won the most games. But I mean, they're, they're, it's it's really slim slim pickings if you're if you're sorting through that category. <laughs> Hopefully, Justin Fields can uh, unseat him uh, before you go. Is there anything you want to plug, Joey? Sure. Just if you want to read more about the Ohio State prospects in this this draft, visit BuckeyeExtra.com, which is the dispatches the Columbus Dispatches website for for all Ohio State football coverage.
Awesome. Joey Kaufman, thank you so much for your time. Hey, thank you, Michael, and thank you, Jeffrey. Thanks. All right. So, everyone that is listening on uh, YouTube and Facebook right now, uh, just hang tight. We'll jump into the second half of our podcast momentarily. If you are listening on any streaming service, uh, click over to part two, and we will be back with uh, some Steelers news and some, uh, some more draft talk. So, we'll be right back. <laughs> 